again to um, Sister Holmes and uh, Stuart and Sister Grant and the entire Grant and Holmes family. We offer our condolences. I, I am grateful uh, for Sister Holmes. Uh, I remember when we first came, there are two things that I will always, or three things I will always remember about Sister Holmes. Uh, one, those enchanting eyes. Two, her silver mane. And three, her golden smile. Amen. And she never failed to flash all three whenever I would have an opportunity to see her. So, Sister Holmes, we do stand with you and understand the sting of death. And it, uh, we, we stand with you and we know it's a new normal that uh, the Lord is, is, has uh, allowed you to experience. Uh, funerals usually consist of at least two parts. Uh, usually there's a part that is uh, it's really in honor of the one who has died. And that's, that's a significant part. All of the tributes, all of the, all of the recollections and reflections, those, that's really for the one who has, has died. And it's a way of, of just recognizing that I heard you, I saw you, I knew you, I loved you, and I remember you. And that's, that's important. That's part of our, our, our human conduct. It's our natural response as we have been impacted by others whom God has placed in our path. Even in their absence, we speak to them, even though we know they don't hear, but we speak to them. And the reason we speak to them is because their lives have spoken to us. The other part of the service is really not for the deceased. It's really for the living. Uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes in chapter 7 says, it's interesting, by the way, he says that it's better to go to a funeral. And it's amazing because we have done everything in our culture and especially in churches to avoid using the F word. We don't say funerals anymore. We say it's home going, it's home, it's celebration, it's everything but a funeral. But the Bible speaks to us in our need and says it's better to go to a funeral than it is to go to a party. And then goes on to say this, that the heart of the wise is made stronger from the funeral. Now, granted, the Bible doesn't say don't party. So I don't want anyone to, to, to misunderstand me. It doesn't say don't party because it's nothing like a good party. But the Bible does say that it's better to go to a funeral than it is to a party. And then it also says that sorrow is better than laughter. Don't I, I know what others may say, but, but the Bible says... and. I'm a Christian, I believe the Bible, and that is my authority. And so I can't even place my experience over God's word of authority. Yeah. I know I've paid money to go to, to hear comedians. I've, I, I went to, to the first two kings of comedy, I went. I paid money to go hear the kings of comedy. 
But the Bible says it's better. That sorrow is better than laughter. I've never, I mean, I, you might see some things. You might go to a film. You might go to a play. You might listen to some music that causes you to cry. But most of us don't pay to go cry. But the Bible says it's better. That sorrow is better than laughter. Doesn't say that we shouldn't laugh. No more than it says, doesn't say that we shouldn't party. But in terms of the value of the, of, of, if you look at the two, the Bible says that it's better to go to a funeral than it is to a party. And it's better, sorrow is better than laughter. Doesn't say that there's no value in parties. And it doesn't say that there's no value in laughter. But what's better? And then he goes on to say this. He says that the, the heart of the wise, which in other words, the assessment that I just gave you, everyone doesn't agree with it. And someone is going to go away and say he's crazy or whatever. But your problem is not with me, it's with the Bible. Because it doesn't say that everyone agrees with it. It simply says that the heart of the wise are made strong by it. And so my comments, the few comments that I want to make, I want to speak to the wise. And I want to, to use this moment and this opportunity to speak to the living. Because we all think that we know something about death. We all think that, that, that death is, we, we all have all of our, we, we have all kinds of conclusions about death. But we understand, here's a few things before I look at a passage. There is one verse I want to look at. But there are a few things that we need to, to, to do to establish the ground about death. And, and first, first off, I'm going to tell you unashamedly that my view is from the Bible because I believe that God's word is the Bible and his word is authoritative and his word is infallible. Every other opinion about death comes from living folk. I'm going to take God's word for it because he is the God of life and death. And so here's what we know. One, that death is universal. Everyone gets one. Everyone, you live, you die. And even if you are alive when Christ returns, you'll die. You either have died or you will die. So, so we all agree on that. But here's the other thing that we have to understand. That death is not biological, it's theological. In other words, here's what you, you are hear, you'll hear people say. We were born to die. No, you weren't born to die. You were born for the same purpose that Adam was created for. And Adam was created to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And then he sinned and then he died. So you weren't born to die. You were born in a state of death, but you weren't born to die. So therefore, death is not biological, it's theological, which means this, it means be as healthy as you can, but you can't out-health death. You just can't. 
And, and, and I know people believe in cryogenics and cryonics and the whole bit where, we'll, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have somebody freeze me so that when, when they come up with the cure after my death, then they'll be able to thaw me out. If, if I weren't a preacher, I'd open up a cryogenic center. That would be the safest money I ever made. Okay, because here's what we know, that even if someone thawed you out, you'll still die. Because here's what we are told, Hebrews 9, 27, it is appointed unto men once to die. And you can't, there's no, there's no, there's no lab, there's no, there's no doctor, there is no room that can figure this thing out and fix it. Or else Jesus would not have had to come to earth. So death is, it, it is universal, death is theological more than biological, and death is judicial. In other words, the, the reason we die is not because of statements that we make or mistakes that we have made. The reason we die because death is a sentence a judicial sentence that has been handed down by the creator and the Lord of the universe. Uh, scripture says that all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. And then it goes on to say that the wages of sin is death. And we read from 1 Corinthians 15 that the sting of death is sin. And the sting of sin or the cause of sin is a violation of God's law. So here's what we know. That death is universal. That death is, is theological. And death is judicial. Those things that we, we, we understand as Christians, this is what the Bible teaches. That, but here's a fourth thing, and that's what really leads us into our text. The text I want to read is from, he, uh, from Revelation chapter 14, and I want to read verse 13. Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. And so here's the thing that, 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 that the reason I want to look at this, because what we want to look at is the fact that all death is not the same. I don't just mean in terms of the way in which a person dies, whether it's on a, in a car accident, a boat accident, it could be heart attack. No, that's not, that's not what I mean. Here's something that, that I, I want to note about this particular verse. This verse debunks many of the myths that people have about death. And here's, one of the, here's the primary myth that's debunked. The primary myth that is debunked is that death is viewed the same for all people. How many people do you know, doesn't matter how they live, what they believe or whatever, but when they die, you'll say, people say, well, they're in a better place. Not according to this verse. All death is not the same. That th this, birth, this, this verse debunks the idea that that. Death is always and for everyone a transition into a better state. Here's what the, the text actually says. 
blessed, not everyone who dies, but blessed are those who die in the Lord. Before the service started, we had the Navy make a wonderful presentation to a Navy vet. Now, how many people do we have here that are Navy vets? Anyone else? Okay, we have one other person. So that means every one of us is not going to get the same treatment when we die. Now, I know you say, well, nope, I wasn't Navy, but I was, I was, I was Air Force. So you can get, you'll get a similar, but if, you'll get a similar service, you'll get a flag, but it's going to be done by the Air Force. And you say, well, no, but I was Army. Okay, then you'll get, uh, you'll get similar service. It'll be performed by Army personnel, but you'll get a flag. Some of us didn't serve at all. So not only will you not get an Air Force or Navy or Army uniform, but you don't even get a flag. That's right, preacher. Because every death is not the same. And, so, and, and you know what? You could be in the service but got a dishonorable discharge. Yeah. In which case, you get no flag. Here's what, what, what John is saying here. Blessed are those who die in the Lord. Not everyone who dies is blessed. In fact, we read in the scriptures that there is one who died, and I can't imagine he's the only one, that his transition went from penthouse to hothouse. So everyone's death is not the same. And so this verse, in fact, the writer of, of Psalms, Psalms 116 says, precious in the eyes of the Lord are the deaths of one of his saints, or is the death of one of his saints. So this verse debunks the myth that death is this peaceful transition and it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter how you live, just die and oh boy, it's a better place. But it's not true. And here's why I mention everything that I mentioned at the beginning. is If death is universal, which means we will all experience it, yeah. if death is theological, which means God is behind it, and if death is judicial, which means that God takes off his, his, his father hat and puts on his judge hat. And death is not the same if it's not blessed for everyone. Then that means someone will leave this life. And they will immediately be in the presence even before his court date. They will be in the presence of an eternal omnipotent, omnipresent judge and they will have no one to stand for them. That's, that, that seems to be what it, what it means. And, and for them, as, as Dr. R.C. Sproul says about uh, Romans 8.28, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. He says, if that is true for believers, then the opposite is true for unbelievers. That all things work together for condemnation 
for those who don't belong to the Lord. And if that's true, then brothers and sisters, the reverse of this verse is true for those who do not die in the Lord. If this is true, if it's true, blessed is everyone who dies in the Lord, then cursed is everyone who doesn't. But here's the second statement that seems to, to that, that, that comes out of this verse or second thought that, that, that is, is driven home. And that is, there is a point of commonality that this verse speaks of for everyone who dies. And that is, their deeds will follow them. That's a universal truth. That's across the board. Everyone who dies, whether you are in the Lord or not in the Lord, your deeds will follow you. You know, sometimes you think you close the chapter on your life. But I, I, I learned this because I'm not, you know, computer savvy. And I learned that just, just because you turn off the computer doesn't mean you have closed the programs. It doesn't mean that you have closed the windows. And so, therefore, just because you closed the chapter on your life doesn't mean the judge has. You see, and, and, and here's what we see. that, In other words, he says that every deed will be followed. Yeah. And, and that's part of the terror of those who don't die in the Lord. Jesus put it this way. That when you stand before the judge... Every thoughtless word or deed. Yes, sir. Think about that. Think about your throwaway thoughts. Here's, here's the, the, the degree to which God requires obedience to his holy standard. In our thoughts, in our words, and in our deeds. And so here's what we get. We are told if we look at this verse, what is true then, it says because the, blessed are those who die in the Lord because their labor is finished and their deeds will follow them. But that's true also for unbelievers, for those who don't die in the Lord, that their deeds will also follow them. Yeah. And so you raise the question then, so you, are you saying that believers that that all of their deeds thoughts words and deeds will follow them and I'm saying absolutely true so what is the difference what makes them blessed and those who are not in the Lord them not blessed because here's the truth of the matter brothers and sisters those who are in the Lord are going to have some thoughts that are like those who are not in the Lord those who are in the Lord are going to have some deeds sticking to them that are just as, as ugly as the deeds that stick to unbelievers. Yes, and those who are in the Lord are going to have, they would have said some stuff that is just as unbecoming as it is for unbelievers. Yes. In other words, he's not saying that their deeds are good. Or that all of their deeds are pure, but all of their deeds will follow them. Yes, sir. And somehow that becomes good news for those who are in the Lord, but it's not so good news for those who are not. And so, well, what's the difference? Some would say, well, 
you know, at least those who are in the Lord, their heart was in the right place. Have you heard that? You know, I, I know I should have done such and such or I shouldn't have done such and such, but my heart is in the right place. That's not the reason. No, that's not the reason. The reason it's good news that their deeds will follow them is not because they are morally superior to the unbeliever. Because they're not. What's the difference? The difference is that they are in the Lord. That's the difference. They are in the Lord. The difference, yes, that means they will, they will do things, that, their words. I, I do believe that, that God puts us on a path when we are now in the Lord. Our work never leads us to the Lord. Our good works always flow from our being in the Lord. And so here's the, here's the, the, the problem. We are all going to die yes, sir. because death is theological and God has appointed it. And God has appointed it as, as, as a court date and everyone must show up. Yeah. And everyone will have their deeds to follow them. Then why is the death of one who is in the Lord blessed and the reason is because they are in the Lord and being in the Lord that brings us to a third thing then what does it mean to die in the Lord and I would argue that to die in the Lord is something that is only made by those who are overwhelmed by their ugliness and their inability and their unworthiness in other words those who are in the Lord are not in the Lord because you say, well, you know, I'm good and that's something else to add to my resume. No one is in the Lord because they think that, okay, well, I'm, I'm doing the best that I can. No, the only ones who are in the Lord who look, are those who have looked out at God's law, see its penetrating requirements and say, I am worthy I am unworthy, O Lord. Don't look upon me or I should die. God then gives us a glimpse of his son. And here's what we see. We see everything that God has required of us as having been met by him. And so those who are in the Lord were in the storms of life and they reached out to Jesus because that was their lifeline. And in reaching out to him by faith, they attach themselves to him. And by faith, what it means as we see in Romans 6 and then also in Colossians 3, it means that we have died with him. We so identify with him, we recognize that the crucifixion that happened to him is equivalent to our own crucifixion. Romans 6 says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? God forbid. How can we who have died to sin continue therefore in sin? Or do you not know that as many as were baptized into Jesus were also baptized into his death? Those who are in Jesus are in him at the cross. Colossians 3, 3 says, you have died yes, sir. and your life is hidden in him. 
Those who die in the Lord are those who die to self and recognize that in and of myself I have no righteousness of my own. In my hands no price I bring, only to thy cross I cling. Those who die in the Lord, the reason their works follow them and that's a good thing is because our works, they go through a metamorphosis by virtue of our being attached to Jesus. Here's what the writer, here's what the Lord says in Isaiah, that our righteousness is is as filthy rags. And brothers and sisters, it still is filthy rags, even when we come to Christ, except for the fact that they are in Christ. Here's a beautiful thing that takes place that our filthy rags righteousness as they are covered by him. That's what he does. He takes it and he covers it. And by the time it gets to the father, it's what it's supposed to be. It doesn't look like what it it looked like when I said it. It doesn't look like what it looked like when I did it. But because it's done in Christ, everything that is done in him is pleasing to the Father. So therefore, brothers and sisters, here's what it comes down to. We're all going to die. Yes, sir. And we're all going to face the judge. And all of our works will follow us. Now, is that going to be good news for you? Or is it going to be bad news? If you live having died in Christ, then what that means is your good deeds are converted in him to be acceptable to the Father so we can can die and rest from our labors because as Paul says in Philippians, I want to be found in him not having a righteousness of my own which is according to the law, but rather his righteousness, which is by faith. We will all die, but it's not all going to be good news for everyone. The reason God calls us to funerals, the reason the wise are made stronger in funerals is because we are reminded of not only the judge that we must face, but we are reminded of the grace that he has given until we face him. And the grace that he has given us is the gift of his son. And in, in his son is the righteousness that God has required. And in his son is the wrath that we have deserved and in his son is the end of all of our labors so that when we die in him he receives us into the bosom of his son until he returns in judgment and when he comes in judgment and all of our deeds get ready to speak here we have a court appointed lawyer 
who will stand up in all of our deeds, in all of our, all of our words, all of our thoughts. Our advocate will stand up and he will say, but here I am. Here, look at my wounds paid for. Yeah, but then he didn't do what he should have done. Yeah, but I did. We rest from our, our labors and all of our deeds will follow us. And something about it being in the hands of our court-appointed lawyer makes it precious to the Father so that he's well-pleased. Stephen Brown puts it this way. He says that all of us, and I only have one child. I, I'm, I'm, I think of Sister Holmes on so many levels. Her and Brother Holmes met at 13. My wife and I met at 12, 13. They have one son, we have one son, so there are parallels. And, and, but I, I think of, and so anyone who has children, we know what it means when your child is in preschool, when they're in elementary school, when they're in kindergarten, and they bring home their drawings. And you know how it, you know, you look at it, and they are, they're all proud, their face is all beaming, and you say, oh, well, what is that? Oh, well, that's you and daddy. Oh, wow, that's beautiful. And you know what we do with it? We put it on the refrigerator. And we take those, those weird, strange drawings and we display it for everyone who enters into our home. Steve Brown says, God has a big old refrigerator in heaven. And all of our stick drawings are as beautiful as the Mona Lisa in the eyes of the Father. Blessed are those who die in the Lord because their labors are over. And all of their deeds will follow them. I pray that you die in the Lord so that you will be received in the Lord. And you and the Holy Trinity will rejoice in the beauty of your good works for all eternity. Let's pray.